Proverbs 29, verse 18, in the, in the ESV version says this. I love how it words it. It says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. In the old school King James version, some would call the only true version. I'm not that person. But it would say, where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, people perish. Translations are out there just to see different angles of the same passage in its original language. And what we're talking about today is vision. Why is vision important? Because without it... We lose guide. We lose track, you know. We need both vision and dreams to have something to pursue, something to celebrate and even be aware we're doing what God wants us to do. Yay, team, right? And so vision is a, a, a great thing to always be before us. Open Life had the vision to reach those who had never had an opportunity to hear the gospel in our community. That's why we started this church 10 years ago. Uh, at the time, we were presented with the challenge, would somebody start a church in this community that would reach people far from God is how they worded it. And we said, yeah, we don't want to call them that. We, we just realize people need to hear the hope and fresh life and, and peace that is found in the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. And, and we know that eight out of 10 of our neighbors statistically do not have a growing relationship with Jesus. They're not in church on a Sunday. Uh, doesn't mean they don't know Jesus. It's just probably they're coasting, maybe. And we don't, we know in life, if you're coasting, you're usually, life is an uphill battle. So if you coast, you're going to start slipping, right? You're given space. First Thessalonians 2.8 says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you'd become so dear to us. So we're not just sharing the gospel. We're not just scoring points for going out and saying, man, I witnessed to my neighbor. He was, it wasn't the right time and it inconvenienced him, but boy, I blasted him with the gospel. No, that's not, that's not the goal at all. We want to develop relationships and, and invite people around tables and, and, and have conversations. And, and, but we do want to share the gospel and we want to do it through our lives not just through an assault. We don't want to assault people with the gospel, right? Uh, the scriptures guide us on our vision. They bring clarity and they reveal to us the culture in which we should carry out our vision. So we say we are uh, to be people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus at Open Life. And, and we're going to do that by connecting with God and each other. We're going to serve God and each other. And we're going to share our lives with God and each other. And, and, and how does this unpack? And what do we envision over the next 10 years of Open Life? That's why we're here today. And the big vision is we want to see baptizing we want we see baptizing growing followers of Jesus we we see ourselves baptizing people a lot and we're going to talk about like how do we get to that point you see that's basically what Jesus left us as a responsibility go and make disciples he said in Matthew 18:19 of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit teach these new disciples to obey all commands I've given you be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Not just baptizing, he tells us to, to be witnesses, right? Before he ascends into heaven in Acts 1.8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, which means here, uh, throughout Judea, across the street, in Samaria, and, tends, and to the ends of the earth. So all around and to the ends of the earth. 
Our, our challenge is to be witnesses and share the gospel and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has put open life in a place of influence to help people follow and grow in a relationship with Jesus right here in our community. And maybe they're going to follow Jesus for the first time. I think Open Life is a, an incredible place for that, to, to make the gospel clear to people who've never heard the love of God for them through his son coming to this earth, giving his life for them, raising to life so that they can not only have eternal life, but life to the full now, right? And so we're a great place to share that message. We're a great place for people who've taken a break from God. Maybe they've even been in a place where they were hurt by the church or they haven't been in church for years and years and years, the average person will come to church once every seven years just to give it another try. Well, I think Open Life's a great place for every seven years. Or maybe you're fresh to the community. You just moved here recently. You Googled church and Open Life made it on the first page and you're like, Let's check these guys out. And so that's, that's usually who's walking through the door, right? Through personal invite or Google search or however. All these people pieces come together for people to have an experience with Jesus on a Sunday morning or maybe in your home around your dinner table or some way, shape, or form. We're going to interact with somebody showing up at re-engage, right? There's so many pieces. So let's look at Sunday, for instance. Let's just look at what we do and what we envision for a Sunday. Uh, you know, you experience when you walk up. We envision the details being taken care of by our setup and teardown teams. You've got signage going. You've got setup and teardown people perspiring, uh, putting up walls for kids. We've got them uh, putting out sign-in computers and connect tables and, and whatever else we're doing token-wise. We have a fun gift for you at the end of today. You know, just like things, they're putting all that up. They're setting all the signs out in the parking lot to hopefully reserve a couple rows at least. If there's a big activity in the gym, parking lot's going to be full. So we value that we want you to know where you're going when you show up here and, and park and all that the a boards what about we envision amazing hospitality so somebody who's greeting you at the doors or opening a door for you or helping you find your way to kids or checking you in at the kids area just that first face you have seven minutes to give a first impression you don't even make it in here for worship in seven minutes usually right and so we want to make a great first impression and that's our hospitality we should welcome people the way we welcome them into our home and that's even if we're not scheduled right? That's the value of showing up early and finding a seat somewhere. And when you see somebody else come in, say hello, introduce yourself. And uh, that, that's incredibly hospitable. We envision engaging kids ministries. And that's what we have over there, man. They're trying to get the babies not to cry and, and ready to change a diaper if it happens. You know, preschool's like making those kids have fun. They have a little time of worship and lesson. Elementary, man, there's a ninja rope over there. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on. They're playing hard but then they have a full-on lesson so they're both having fun and learning about Jesus every Sunday walking through curriculum uh, incredible workers we envision a transformational worship service what is that we don't want to we don't want to just do church we want to come in here and have the Holy Spirit come into our life and impact us right we want to leave going 
God touched my life today. I am challenged to action. And that's in the, the music. That's in the videos. That's in the creative elements. Boy, creative people. If we've got photographers and videographers, that's in our storytelling. That's in every piece that comes together for our services. That's in people coming up to pray. That's in people closing the service. We need a vast team. And we envision just an incredible worship experience for you every Sunday. We pray for that. And, uh, yeah, we don't want to just be that happy place to attend. We want to be transforming lives. Because what happens? Well, when someone makes the decision to follow Jesus, they check that I choose to follow Jesus box on the connection card before the end of today, and they drop it in the, the, uh, the drop basket back there. What do we call those? I'm totally zoning the name of them. But anyway, you know, we have a drop box. That's what it is. The drop box is back there, and it says, I choose to follow Jesus. Well, what happens when somebody chooses to follow Jesus, the next step scripturally is that they would identify with Jesus by being baptized in water. That's why water baptism. All those things build up to somebody experiencing Jesus. It might take weeks or months for them to get to that moment where they check the box. And we know that they're growing in their relationship with Jesus if they say, okay, yes, I'm ready to be baptized. That's why baptism, you could say, is like the chief marker of a growing relationship with Jesus, for a new relationship with Jesus, for someone who's never experienced Jesus before. And we want to be that place that can just celebrate and create moments for people to be baptized. And I'm talking lots of people to be baptized. I see hundreds of people being baptized in the next 10 years. I'm praying for that. The culmination of everything we do. John 15 says this in verse 5. I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Matthew 13, 23 says it this way. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 times as much as had been planted. I really believe we're about to see some incredible fruit at Open Life for all the favor and impact we've made over the past few years. The first vision that's going to really support this effort of getting, uh, celebrating the growth in people's lives through baptism is, is growth. Uh, we envision growth, vision number one. Um, we're not wanting to just be a small church that stays small and we know each other and so we're going to just be small. And, and like, let's take down the signs so nobody else can find us, guys. Erase ourselves from Google, you know. That's not the goal. The goal, healthy things grow, right? Because um, if you want an example of unhealthy things, come look at my garden when I'm trying to grow it. I don't know how some people do it. I pretend to garden, but it's unhealthy. I don't know. I'm not going to test the soil and figure that out and stuff just dies and turns brown. And I'm watering it too much or too little or both at the same time. Uh, but it's like healthy things grow, right? And if we're going to grow, like we would love to become the healthiest church around. Our goal isn't to become the biggest church around. We just want to be incredibly healthy where people can find Jesus. Healthy things are growing and, and we wouldn't mind being, uh, you know, we don't want to be the biggest in the city, but we would love to be the biggest for the city. And just be really for what is going on and with the city and continue to be present. We're not just wanting all of us to only share the gospel. Again, we want to share our lives. 
And that's going to lead to growth. When we share our lives relationally, things expand and get bigger. We've categorized the key practices, as I mentioned, into three areas, connect, serve, and share. And what, is, what does it look like? Like we, we wanted to make growth in your relationship with Jesus so easy to comprehend. Uh, and maybe this is too easy. But what if you could rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, right, in the area of connecting with God and each other? Man, connecting with God, I come to church twice a year. I'm probably a, a 1, and I haven't read my Bible in a long time or prayed. Or then what would it look like to go to a 2? I'm going to make it to church at least once a month this year. That's a step forward. That's growth. Goal met. Right? Isn't that interesting to think? I would love for you to be in church every Sunday, though. But, you know, uh, but the reality is, is we want forward progress in our faith. Our goal is to help you grow. How does it look to grow in relationship with each other? Man, maybe you're going to plug into a small group or a serve team and start to meet people around you and have conversations. or Show up early. Introduce yourself to some people. Stick around afterwards. Say hello to someone you've never met. Those moments help us connect with each other. What about serve? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself? Some of you are like, the sweat on my back after today, I am way up there on the serve number. Right, Justin? Do you feel that? That sweat, that perspiration, serving good, right? It's that, it's that reality. We get to this moment where we can, man, how do I go from 1 to 2 to a 2 to a 3? Or sharing your life with, with God and each other. That's like, how open is my hand how open are my resources with the world around me? Man, I've never given to anything at, at church or in community. Man, my, my, I'm pretty holding on pretty tight. What would it look like to share my life, share my time, talents, and treasures a little more? That's what we're talking about. What would happen if we would begin to grow ourselves? Reality is people around us are going to begin to grow. They're going to see your progress, and it's going to be contagious, and it's going to result in 30, 60, 100-fold type growth. I see our groups growing because our relationships become so important, and we're outward focused, not just inward. We're inviting additional people in. We're building those relationships out. What did the early church look like? Man, it didn't look like just five families doing everything. The early church didn't look like, well, we've got our core. And you know, the, isn't it the Pareto principle, 20%, 20-80? of people doing 80% of the work is not biblical. When you read Acts 2, the early church vision, Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared uh, the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared the meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Wow, each day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That's the church I see. 
Man, I see baptisms going beyond just a Sunday celebration. I see baptisms. Hey, Thad, our group this week, we had a bunch of neighbors show up. They made a decision to follow Jesus. We cranked up the hot tub and praise God, we baptized a couple people in the name of Jesus. Come on. You know what I'm saying? That to me, just like, boom. You know, it makes me get a little excited. Anyway, it's so, so this is favor and fruit, right? That's what it talks. We're enjoying the goodwill or the favor of each other, and we're experiencing the fruit of each other's growth in relationship with Jesus. Most importantly, we're concerned with each other growing in a relationship with Jesus, and fruit happens. Making disciples. Vision number two, we envision greater things, greater things. We're not just looking back, as we mentioned this last week, we believe Whatever happens in the future, 20 years from now, we're going to be known for something we've yet to even create. Like, oh, open life? Those are the people that fill in that blank. What dream does God want to awaken through one of you? Because we want to fan it into flame. We want to just celebrate and have crazy fun by not, not only, we, don't, we want to honor the past. God has done some incredible things and maybe we'll still be known for the community big give and school supply give and teacher lounge remodel and different things in the future. But there's something we've yet to do, I think. There's a few things we've yet to do and I can't wait for those to surface. I don't know all of them, but one, a couple things we do know. What does this church in 10 years look like? Uh, we would see ourselves having a, a ministry facility. Let me explain. Jeremiah 33, 10 through 11 says, this is what the Lord says. You've said this is a desolate land where people and animals have all disappeared. Yet in the empty streets of Jerusalem and Judah's other towns, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and laughter. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will be heard again, along with the joyous songs of people bringing thanksgiving offerings to the Lord. They will sing, give thanks to the Lord of heaven's armies, for the Lord is good. His faithful love endures forever, for I will restore the prosperity of the land to what it was in the past, says the Lord. I believe we have an opportunity to make a difference in our communities. And we could be able to see the prosperity of our communities. And part of that involves us having some sort of space in community. Not to gather in. We don't see our Sunday gatherings in a space or building. You know how much this building had to have cost? I don't know the exact dollar figure. Somebody at the school district probably millions. And this is not our vision. Our vision is to worship here, right, on Sundays and to gather here. But there are ministries we look to facilitate that could only happen in a smaller venue, space, and community. Uh, ministries dependent on other churches' availability have been a challenge for us, honestly. Reengage, we just promoted. We think if you're married, you should do reengage, period. Sign up, reserve your spot today. But I look at that and I go, uh, that ministry is dependent on the availability right now of other churches saying, okay, you can use our space for 16 weeks. Not easy. And we're on their timetable and their room availability and their rental cost. And so we look at that and go, man, what would be possible if we could find a space in the community for 50 or 60 people to be able to huddle up and break into some small group rooms outside of that? What would that look like? What would be possible if we had a space for re-engage or even our youth to meet? We've grown to the size in youth where it became too big for a home. 
And chickens die to fit the coop, I had a pastor tell me one time. Uh, it means once you get big enough, it's uncomfortable and it shrinks. That's kind of the, the I was just speaking Marshawn Lynch language there for a second. Watch your chickens, you know, whatever that means. I'm sorry if I don't know what that means. If it meant something bad, I just said it out loud and it's recorded. So thanks, Marshawn. Um, so I'm just here to get paid. I'm just kidding. Uh, isn't that funny? What would be possible? Uh, what would be possible if we could actually meet as a worship team midweek at a venue and practice? Huh, Andy? Can you see that? Where we could actually get creative and, and create music or songs and our creatives could come together, edit videos, shoot videos, do whatever. You know, some of these things are not possible in our current home-based business model. Uh, we have, we've approached, uh, you know, the launch. We've been approached by all of Crest to launch a pretty amazing ministry for foster care families in this community, but it's dependent on us having a bigger space than a home. So we're just like, there's all these opportunities out there. We're like, oh Lord, if you would open the doors, and this is what we want to pray for, open the doors for a space that works for open life in an extreme affordability scenario. <laughs> what would it be like if we could train ministry interns and infuse those into our schools to touch the life of our youth or into our community? What would be possible if the church had a unique footprint in the community, maybe such as that main space being a coffee shop type environment where community could happen together, business leaders could come together, and they would experience both great speed of internet and faith, right? I mean, it's like there's so many opportunities. It definitely does not look like a church in community. It looks like a community space, a community gathering hub. So we envision that. We envision, we see a church that has a significant local and global impact. Oh, the things that are stirring are incredibly exciting in this arena. While, while I would love to talk through every strategic partner we have and partnership and how we're fighting all different areas and initiatives and education and foster care and the list goes on, uh, let me focus on a couple. Let me focus on one that's close to the Watson's heart. Speak up for the poor. Uh, we had the opportunity this year to set aside 10% one month to them, and it was a great month. Uh, we always, everything you give, we set aside 10% to go to one of our strategic partners. And we set enough aside to sponsor five girls for the next year. And we have uh, some of their pictures that are kind of come up here behind me. Four of them want to be teachers. They're going to get their high school diploma. Four of them want to be teachers. And one of them wants to become a doctor. We're literally going to reshape a community there that's just 50 miles outside of Calcutta, India. And uh, so it's a sex trafficking hub, all these villages. They'll take the girls and they'll sell them into marriage or into sex trafficking at a young age. But if they have the vision to be able to go to school and graduate, it transforms their entire family's perspective of their future. Generations will be different just because of these five girls alone. But this is what the director of Speak Up is doing. He is giving Open Life the opportunity to actually be the entire, uh, to have an entire village. Shavna, I don't know how to pronounce it, in Bangladesh, 
is this entire village. These are the first five girls from that village that are going to become educated through high school. And we have the opportunity in our future, within the next 10 years, to actually create all kinds of ministry in that village. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about that. From education facilities to dormitories to educating every young girl in that community. I'm pretty excited about that partnership with Speak Up for the Poor. And uh, it's going to go hand in hand with our partnerships with Rescue Freedom and others. I cannot wait to see what comes of that. So kudos to you because five girls are already in process. So applaud one another. We didn't have the chance to share that last week in detail. Community big give. Man, not only do we see that growing, we see it becoming more organized so we don't over-volunteer it next year, but uh, we obviously have so many people who want to participate in a moment like this, and uh, this year we had so much funding uh, that we actually brought in and could have brought in that we're looking at additional communities and supporting those, and that Open Life would go out and in droves, Open Lifers would show up at each location serving those communities and just being the love of Jesus on people without even sharing the gospel at that, serving our school districts, our schools, our nonprofits, our food banks. So we can't wait to reproduce this thing even more and allow it to go bigger and bigger. But not just that, we want to continue to pursue fighting hunger through our local food banks as they're restructuring, hiring new directors, making some positive change. In the next 10 years, they're going to be building a food bank in Bonnie Lake. Uh, some, some things they haven't even released publicly yet, news, but we're dialoguing behind closed doors. And we're going to help them do that. I can't wait to be a part of just really stepping up our compassion towards those that are fighting hunger and coordinating things, continuing to coordinate things like the backpack programs and funding initiatives, building campaigns and all those things. We want to fan into flame the work they're doing. Missionaries. The other way we're going to grow is we're going to grow through globally supporting missionaries. These are families that give up their lives to go to the ends of the earth and they live off the support of people here. And I look at that, and we've gone to a couple locations now with our partners in Indonesia and the Dominican Republic. And I look at what they're doing and, and what they have to live through in order to share the gospel in those countries. It's not easy. I, my girls, would you want to do it every day of your life? Or you, yeah, that was awesome. You asked this seven, almost 17-year-olds, and they'll give you the truth. No. <laughs> uh, I, you just, you know, brushing their teeth with bottled water. They're not using the sink. There's so many conveniences you can't even imagine the challenges that they go through. We want to support even more missionaries. And what does it look like to go beyond where we've already partnered? What are some missionaries we have relationships with and, and could expand as our giving increases? We're able to support more and more and more missionaries. We haven't even touched any missionaries in Europe yet or Eurasia, Africa. Can't wait. Have trips going to those locations in the well. In fact, that's the other part of that. Not only do we want to give to missionaries, we want to go. We want to serve alongside of them. Help them further. Every effort that they're going on. So missions trips are a permanent part of our annual strategy at sharing the gospel and seeing people not only saved but baptized. Not only here but around the globe. And uh, yeah, you get to be a part of that. I can't wait for every one of you to go on a missions, missions trip. And it's stretching and it's incredible. 
and we, we want you to be there. We're going to go on a trip every year over the next 10 years. Vision, the third thing is we envision overcoming obstacles. All, all the things we see the church doing, all the things we're doing together shoulder to shoulder, there's going to be challenges that are going to come. There's going to be obstacles uh, to growth. Uh, growth, uh, growth always presents some challenges. And the first is people, resources. Like we experienced that today. Boy, if, if you want to come and help set up and tear down, now's the time to sign up to do that. Because we definitely need about two, at least two more people. Uh, because with the additional setup for kids to make it as absolutely incredible as it is, it takes more time. And uh, so I just encourage you to be a part of things like that. It's, it's so easy, but more than just volunteerism. We envision if we're growing and leading people to Jesus in, in great number and we're bringing our neighbors, then we're going to need the team that we call Open Life to increase. Ephesians 4 says it's our job as those that are called to ministry to fan into flame the gifts of God in you. That's why I love Visions like Speak Up for the Poor being a partnership you came up with. You know, ministries that were born out of your interest. And I look at this and I go, man, what could we do if we had a connect pastor helping you grow? Like that discipleship pastor helping do growth tracks and oversee small groups. And these details that can fall off because we're spread in so many directions those of us that are on the team right now within the hours we have in a day. We see a missions coordinator that would come in and be in charge of all these missionaries and missions trips and coordinate the details coming together for that. And, and how cool will that be 10 years from now to be able to, to have someone who's actually this global mindset individual. Actually, I'm just really jealous about our partners in Indonesia at ICA. They have an entire missions department, but they have a Wajaya. That's his name. And I'm just looking for Open Life's Wajaya. The person that would go and coordinate and, and have a vision and help us project clearly what God is doing around the globe through our efforts. Um, admin. Some would tell me I needed that a long time ago to coordinate some really close to me that I'm married to. Anyway, uh, you know, an, an administrator, just the, it probably volunteer at first, but then eventually we're going to need somebody to coordinate all this crazy stuff we're making happen around here. People, it's these bodies. We see people stepping into leadership in all different areas, like every location of Community Big Give, having a director that's not me, and I'm cheering on all those directors and helping the funding initiatives and, and all those things. We see these roles of involvement and engagement, directors for re-engagement, and, and, and additional volunteers in every area of ministry. In fact, I see that marriage ministry piece getting so big that we're doing pre-marrieds, newly marrieds, those that have been married, transforming homes in our community. What an incredible place to be for open life in the home and helping homes just thrive in their relationships. What about the spaces factor? Another obstacle is our spaces. That's why we have a vision for spaces. The hub for ministry we envision is going to be the toughest and craziest thing yet. And, uh, you know, we've been looking and praying at what, at what would exist in this community. And there's not a lot. Honestly, whenever some retail place is kind of closing and we check how much it costs per month, we're like, well, three months of being here at the school costs one month for only that amount of square feet? You know, you're just like, 7000 a month for a, a, is expensive. 
So we got to pray for that. Maybe somebody donate a space to us or something like that. Uh, the other options here are buying pieces of land, either in East Town, which is past 214th, or in Tahale, or somewhere to have a ministry space designed custom. The other would be purchasing an old business, and, and whether it's or a big business, and then we're leasing space out to cover the cost of it. All those things are on the table. Uh, then it's like, oh man, can you afford that in Bonnie Lake? Or do we need to go to Buckley? Do we need to go to an outside space where there's enough square footage in our affordability to be able to have a ministry space now? Because it's not the space, it's us space. Just like where we've gathered, this is our fourth venue. It's not going to be our last space. It's going to be the current space where we can train and do ministry. And so we're praying about that. We can't wait to see what God opens up and... Uh, if you'd just be praying for that, I don't think we've told you we're praying for space, but we have been for about a year, and I want you to be praying for space because God can open that door. And the cool thing is we've been able to set money aside as you've been giving faithfully to be ready for a space that is in a very low price realm. So anyway, finances, then that goes to the other. Isn't that the obstacle of nonprofits or churches as well? Finances, continued Increase of generosity will allow us to do anything God puts in our heart. Honestly, I don't know what a church could do if everyone tithed. The Bible challenges us to raise up those that would give 10% of their income, and I can't imagine what that would look like. Uh, going back to the Pareto principle of 2080, right? That would be a good ratio of tithing. <laughs> it's just like, what if we would allow our God to challenge us in such a way that we would surrender our finances? And what would be possible in our community if we did so? I think that should challenge us. Our five staff can only facilitate so much ministry. And then it's like maxed out, you know? And what would we need to take the next step? I'm praying for generous generosity. I'm praying for a ministry that would steward those that have the gift of generosity as well. Because I believe God is, does give that as a gift to some people. To where we can raise up those that are a part of the future. And this brings us to the full circle moment. Habakkuk 1.5 says, The Lord replied, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Ephesians 3.20 says, glory to God, now glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Some translations would say ask or imagine. I don't know if you're motivated by numbers. Some of us are. Because numbers represent a story. Every number is somebody's story when it comes to church world. And some see them as limiting, intimidating, but still others as a symbol of clarity. And I want to share my God-sized vision prayer with you as God is moving us into the next 10 years. I'm praying in the next 10 years that God would allow us to baptize 552 people. Well, pastor, you're just, you've lost your rocker. <laughs> I heard you last week when you celebrated water baptism, and I'm pretty sure you said the number 73. 
552? How's that going to be possible? Well, we're not starting from scratch, right? We, we've already got momentum and we're already growing and we're already sharing the Lord. and People are watching our faith. But where does that number come from? It's the amount of seats in this pack. There's 552 seats in here. I don't believe that's a mistake. And when we were praying, God, give us clarity. Give us a vision for how many people you would want us to baptize. If we, if we grasped a number, what would it be? Imagine row after row of this cloth being folded back. Imagine neighbor after neighbor finding their way here. Imagine us having to launch additional services. Imagine us doing all this so that 10 years from now, you could actually have all those who found Jesus and followed Jesus through to water baptism and they would take every stinking seat in this place. That's something I'm praying about. I'm praying that each one of you has someone in a chair. I'm praying that each one of you is sitting next to one of the notorious sinners in this community that you love and pray for. Because Jesus was always hanging out with notorious sinners. And those are the people that he was drawing in to the church. I want to be that church that just is baptizing like crazy. They put in some great drains out here for us. <laughs> Man, this incredible patio area that we could gather and baptize on a constant basis. I cannot wait. And every time you walk in, if we have the right wooden door closed, you see that placard on the wall. Maximum occupancy, 552. May it just give you a jolt. Every time you see us pull back a row, every time you see more kids workers needed or another greeter needed, thank you God, that's why we're here. Another group launched. Because we're sharing our lives with people. And they're experiencing, for the first time, life to the full and the peace of mind that comes through a growing relationship with Jesus. I pray that for every person in our community, for every one of my neighbors. Our action thought is, be the church God envisions. And I honestly know it's incredibly intangible, but of any of the phrases I heard, when I was praying for this service over the last few months, I heard in my spirit that God was going to move us from, from favor to fruit. We have incredible favor in this community. Meeting here right now is incredible favor. The fruit, 30, 60, 100 times is coming. We just got to be ready for it. And I also heard this gift. Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. God is allowing us to love people who've never been loved in the name of Jesus before, and we're able to do it well. Let's continue to do it well and be the church God envisions for this community. Can you stand with me? I want to pray for open life. I want to pray for you. I want to commission us out today to be the church God envisions in the next decade and beyond. God, we thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you for every person who walked through the door. That's who you wanted to hear this talk. And those who are going to watch it on the app and those who are going to experience it at a later time, God, I pray for the church you envisioned to rise up 
God, that we would love our neighbors as you love us, that we would extend grace to others as you extend grace to us. God, we pray that we could see people make a decision to follow Jesus, but not just check a box and end there, but begin to grow their relationship with you in such a way that they would step into the world of obedience in the era of water baptism. God, we're praying in the next 10 years to help us be a part of 552 people finding and following Jesus. And that, God, we would be able to disciple them and raise them up and build in the infrastructures over the course of the years to be able to facilitate all these ministries that are going to be inroads into experiencing your grace, your love, from favor to fruit. God, we pray in the name of Jesus, let us be the gift open life is meant to be to this city, to the cities around us, to this region and the globe, across the street and around the world. We pray. If someone has come today and they have not yet made a decision to follow you, Jesus, I pray that you would open up their heart right now to surrender and say, Jesus, I want to follow you as Lord and Savior. I know, I get it. You, you want me to surrender everything to you. So I am here to ask for your forgiveness. Wash me clean and help me be a blessing to others around me. Give me fresh life and peace of mind. In Jesus' name I pray. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the lives being changed and transformed in Jesus' name. Will you worship with the worship team? I'll come and close you in just a second.